It's Over the Hump with Trails to Ales, where we bring you a bike thing, and a beer thing, and it's the thing to get you over the hump and into the weekend. What do you think? Let's talk about both bikes and beer. Right, bikes and beer? Bikes, bikes and, and beer. beer. Over the Hump with Trails to Ales. Welcome to episode 128 of Over the Hump with Trails to Ales. We're your hosts, Ken here, Kevin there, and there goes Kevin talking about beer again. He's up with a beer thing. So if you remember last episode, I mentioned my plans to California or Lake Tahoe got canceled uh, due to the fires and Pauline and I decided to just do a road trip up the East Coast uh, for the weekend. Well, that plan constantly evolved the entire week up to the morning of uh, the day we left. So on the last episode, I mentioned the plan was to make our way up to still Vermont and get up to the Alchemist Brewery. And that changed, unfortunately. Uh, I won't get into the reasons why, but that's just married life. And I was able to, I was able to at least negotiate going to uh, a couple cities that at least had breweries in them. And those were Pittsburgh and Cleveland. So they're a little bit closer to home. It was our first time going away from Valentina for, for more than a day. So we were just a little bit weary about, you know, what if we're too far away and something happens or she's not happy. So anyways, we went to Pittsburgh first and um, it's only about a little less than four hours away from here. Uh, so it wasn't a bad road trip. Uh, we got there that first night. Uh, we were pretty tired. So we just got a, a reservation at a restaurant uh, that was pretty good as well um if you're a meat eater so i won't go into details about that for, for you but <laughs> <laughs> but they did have a, a, a interesting little beer selection on tap so i was able to have one by a local brewery up there called dancing gnome i uh, never heard of them before but they had this great american pale ale called pharmacon and uh it, it was it was a very tasty pale ale so Pale ales, you know, they seem to be making a comeback possibly. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I'm noticing I'm finding or, or stumbling upon a lot of tasty pale ales lately, or they're just, there's more on the menu wherever I go more recently or something. But, uh, you know, yeah, all I the crazies I, I, I like them. Yeah. But yeah, so this one's an American pale ale and I mean, the, the last few I've had have just been really good. So maybe my, my palate is kind of morphing again, but uh, yeah. So this one, uh, it was, it just had a, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, but just a, a great dankness uh, to it and a good pop of uh, hoppy flavors and juiciness. But uh, it's on, on their website on dancing Dumb's website is listed as a hazy pale ale. Um, which is interesting. I've never heard of a hazy pale ale, but uh, it, it's only 5.2% alcohol. So needless to say, I had a couple of those <laughs> and it's brewed with mosaic hops. So um, yeah, that nice, one was nice good. Combo. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, um, I, I wanted, I fully intended to get over to that brewery and the next day we kind of had a full day open to just do whatever. And unfortunately the brewery didn't open till four o'clock. And by the time four o'clock came around, we had done so much, we were exhausted and uh, didn't really go out much more than to, to get some dinner and head back to the hotel. Um, so yeah, unfortunately I didn't get there, um, but 
also on that day, well, the next day, that Saturday, uh, we had stopped in. So where we were at, there was a Southern Tier tap room uh, two blocks from our hotel. So we, we ended there on our, our uh, little day's adventure. And um, man, so I had to uh, break the seal on pumpkin beers for the season because they had pretty much their full lineup of pumpkin and fall beers on tap. Uh, so uh, yeah, needless to say, cool. I had, yeah, I had pumpkin. What were we going to say? No, I said, that's cool. I mean, you're getting it from the source. How could you not? Like, right, you, right. why wait till you're back home and buying it off the shelf when you're sitting there in their tap room? Exactly. That's, that's the way I thought about us. It's like, okay, you don't really find these on tap very often and not to mention straight from the brewery's tap room. So I don't think it could get much fresher. So yeah, that was my thinking. And I ended up just doing a flight. Uh, I wanted to stay longer, but parking enforcement was kind of tight around there because of, of being so close to the baseball stadium. So I had to move my car. It was going to get towed. Um, we should have just walked there knowing how close it was, but we had just been driving around and ended up there. Uh, so lesson learned for next time, if, if there is a next time. But yeah, so uh, I sent you a picture of the flight that I got, which consisted of a, the S'mores Nitro Stout, which, holy cow, I, I picked up a four-pack of that to bring back. I've got some for you to try. This thing was amazing. Uh, I, I thought about getting crowlers of it, so it'd just be even more fresh. But uh, they they explained to me that nitro beers, even in crowlers, don't really hold well for more than like a day. So I decided to just go with the the uh, prepackaged cans in, in hopes that it'll uh, you know taste as best as possible. Uh, after that, I, I had the pumpkin. And then the Warlock, uh, the cold press pumpkin, which is a cold press coffee uh, pumpkin. So good. Uh, I'm definitely going to try to find some more. I'm going to try to find some more of all of these. I mean, I know I can get pumpkin and Warlock, but I don't know about these others. But then there's a new one that I hadn't heard of before by Southern Cure called their Harvest IPA. That one was really good too. Um, it, it was just like, I asked the bartender about it and she said it was just their fall inspired IPA um, kind of experimental. So I decided to give that a try and uh, it, it was, it was really good. It was definitely worth a try. One last thing about Southern tier that I didn't know is they have a whole series of these tap rooms in different cities. So funny enough, I, uh, we went to Cleveland after Pittsburgh, which I'll talk about here in a sec some more, but Cleveland has one of these tap rooms as well by seven tier. And that one was literally two blocks from the hotel. We stayed at there. This was not planned. It just happened that way. They're following you uh, around. So I know. And, uh, you know, I had intentions of going there, but, uh, you know, it's funny how like some of the things closest to, to where you're staying end up never getting to you. Cause it's like, Oh, I'll go there on the way back, you know? So that's kind of what happened here. But um, the other towns that uh, Southern Tier have tap rooms in are, are Charlotte and Buffalo, New York, and Lakewood, New York. So you know, they're, they're, those two are kind of close to the home base for Southern Tier. But yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina, Cleveland, Ohio, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania all have uh, th these Southern Tier tap rooms, which you can pretty much get their full lineup from and, and all their merchandise and stuff like that. And the the... Uh, location 
at least the Pittsburgh one was really cool. They had a nice outdoor beer garden. Uh, the one in, in Cleveland was just at the uh, bottom floor of a, a like a high rise building. I didn't get a chance to go in, but I, I peeked in the window as we walked past uh, to go somewhere else, and it looked looked decent. But the one in Pittsburgh was definitely way better. So, anyways, uh, moving on to Cleveland, uh, we only spent one full day there, uh, so we drove there uh, Saturday uh, Saturday morning. Yeah, uh, as we left Pittsburgh, it was about a two two and a half hour drive. Um, and while we were waiting for our, our hotel uh, to allow us to check in. Uh, we stopped uh, somewhere for brunch and they had a really nice lineup of beer as well on tap. So I had two amazing beers there that I wish I could have found locally to get some more. Uh, but of course, neither one of them was from uh, Cleveland. So that didn't work out too well, <laughs> but I wanted to, to mention it or mention both of these uh, as they were like super good beers. So if, if anybody has a chance to find them, uh, definitely check it out. So the first one is by a brewery called Lupulin. <laughs> and, uh, you know, go figure them. I like the name, how original, but Big Lake, Minnesota. So if you're Hi, in Big welcome Lake, to Grains Brewery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Lupulin. Exactly. Oh, Hops Brewery. All right, oh, anyway, Lupulin. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. That's funny, though. Yeah, so there actually is a brewery called Hops, but that's that's for another time. All right. um, Yeast Brewery. So, yeah, they're in – what? Yeast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are some breweries that have the name yeast in it. I'm it sure might not be, be the only part of the name, but, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, the beer that I had was called the the BAM or BAM Nectar. Uh, hazy hop slap for your mouth gap. <laughs> this double IPA will bang your buds with, with orange delicious deliciousness. Perfect for passing the time away on a summer day is their description. Uh, Imperial double IPA, but it does not drink like one. It's 8% alcohol, 45 IBUs, and on untapped, it gets a, a rating just under four stars. Uh, this thing was crazy. It didn't actually taste like an IPA to me, and, and not in a bad way. Um, it just it just literally tasted like drinking a fruit juice, like an orange juice. That's exactly what I what I said to Paulina when I had it. I was like, wow, this is a great brunch beer because it literally just tastes like orange juice. Um, so definitely one to try if you could find it. Um, they're based out of Big Lake, Minnesota, which I think I already mentioned. Um, but definitely give them a check if you're in the area. The second one was a beer called Permanent Marker Pen Disguises by Hoof Hearted Brewing. Uh, this one is in Marengo, Ohio. So I was hoping maybe I could find that somewhere, but I didn't have any luck. Um, but this this one, again, is just an insane IPA, 7% uh, alcohol. The IBUs aren't listed, uh, but this one just had like a, a really good dankness to it. Great color. For some reason, I, I didn't take a picture of it. I thought I had checked both of these in on untapped while I was sitting there. Um, but I'm not finding it now. But anyways, yeah, this one was really good. So again, if, if uh, you happen to live in Marengo, Ohio, or, or close to there, go check these guys out. Um, and remember one our more address. Thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And since um, um, one more, yeah, one more thing about Cleveland. So I did make it to a couple other breweries and then quote unquote breweries. 
um, because they just happened to be in the area that we were at. So I was just trying to go to some out of convenience of where we were. Um, one of them uh, was called Nano Brewery. Another, another nice uh, pun uh, name. So Nano Brewing, it was, on, when I looked it up online, it was called a bike themed brewery and it was literally next door to where we were having brunch i was like oh sweet let's go check this out right well i was pretty disappointed because the the logo of the the brewery does have a bike in it but once we got in i didn't see anything really bike related so i was kind of scratching my head about that one second of all they didn't even have any of their own beers on tap it was just a tap room of other local beers. So I was a little bit teed off by that. And yeah. it said, so on, on their, on their uh, board, on their menu, um, you know, behind the bar, it said they had one beer coming soon, but that was it. There was nothing else on their menu that was from that brewery. Uh, so I, I don't understand how some of these places can call themselves breweries. If none of their own beers are on tap. Uh, so I only stayed for one beer and it was another good one by a local brewery that I was going to try to get over to. And then we just, we just ran out of time. Uh, but then right around the corner from there was great lakes brewing. Um, so we walked around the corner to that and, uh, they had a really cool setup and, uh, it was a, a really, you know, old building that was renovated. Um, and I've had stuff from great lakes before. I'm pretty sure you have too, right? Oh Yeah. I mean, they, they distribute here uh, yeah. pretty regularly. Yeah. They, yep. So um, I was like, all right, let's just go in for one beer. And uh, I, I got the pale ale and I was pretty disappointed, mainly in the, in the service uh, there. You know, I think I told you about this. They're an employee owned company, independent brewery. I would have thought that there would have been a little more sense of pride in the, uh, the staff going in there, but I would think so. Uh, yeah. 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 And I sat down at the bar with Paulina and there were these people that walked up after us and the bartender like walked to them first and, and asked what they wanted. I was like, okay, uh, we were sitting here, you know? Uh, so that was a little bit disappointing. So yeah, we only stayed for one, but cool little spot. Yeah. But I wasn't really uh, feeling the paleo that I ordered either. It was so, so. It's funny how much uh, service can make a difference though, because especially with beer, uh, because lots of places serve beer and you want to be, if somebody sort of bums you out as they're serving it to you, it can actually make the beer taste bad too. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, you know, your expectations kind of just drop quickly from there. It's like, ah, uh, yep. part of me just wants to chug this beer and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then one last thing, sorry, I know I'm, I'm kind of going long here, but, um, the beer I tried at the nano brewing place was by a brewery called market garden, which was in the area around the corner. I was trying to get over there, but they had a beer that was on the board, but uh, unavailable. It was called Citramax IPA. Well, where Paul and I went to dinner that night, they actually had that in cans at that restaurant. So I was able to try one there. Um, and it was, it was pretty good. Um, I didn't get a chance to, to check it in or, or rate it, but I would say it's like middle of the road IPA. I, I don't, I don't see what all the hype was about. Maybe I was just bearded out by that time or, yeah, or that just happen, too, but... yeah, too full on the burrito. I ate. 
to hear you say that something that is citric citrocentric didn't <laughs> didn't quite float your boat that's that's a bummer yeah yeah exactly i, I mean that's kind of the reason i was like oh sweet they have this on tap let me get it i didn't really see what it was so citra about it but uh i digress so anyways yeah just to kind of sum up the the road trip to stowe didn't happen but i had to improvise and sadly the only beer i, I brought back was the s'mores nitro stout but it's definitely a winner it's a great like dessert beer um and i i'm holding out drinking the one can I brought back for myself uh, for the right time, but hopefully I'll have it this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it'll last through this weekend. Yeah. I'm definitely hiding that one. If you know what I mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> I do know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that's, that's my beer thing for this week. Okay. Think about this. You have an activity that you love to do. It brings you physical and mental happiness. You find it to be a source of empowerment. It makes you feel better about yourself and your future. And it connects you to a larger community of like-minded people. You know, kind of like mountain biking is for you and me and many people who listen to this podcast. So we, we know, we've talked about this, that we are privileged to really, you know, have, have nice bikes and be able to choose to ride for fun as opposed to having to ride as our only source of transportation. So we got all that going. Now imagine if someone came along and this thing that you love to do, they say, well, no, it's subversive and you can't do it anymore. And in fact, because you do it and you want other people to do it and you encourage other people to do it, we're going to arrest you or worse. What? Well, that's what has happened to the group of mountain bikers that we talked about in episode 116. This is back before the Olympics. And this would be Farid Nuri and the team of riders that we talked about from MTB Afghanistan. Oh, we man. talked about them then. Uh, Farid is an Afghan who did a study abroad program in the U.S. And he happened to be placed in the family of pro MTB rider Mackie Franklin of the Sid and Mackie team. Uh, so Ferry developed a love of mountain biking himself. He went on to race collegiately at Middlebury College in Vermont. And he wanted to share that love with his home country and use mountain biking to promote Afghanistan's mountain biking trails to the world and change the image of it from a war-torn nation to a place with great potential for adventure. And that organization, you know, also worked to empower women and advance gender equality. And like they say on their website, they wanted to be a catalyst for large scale change to break down social norms that have held Afghan women back. They were committed to support the Afghan women's right to ride movement. And I said it in past tense because as they were making great strides in the recent weeks on this, um, you may have also heard I mean, so they were making great strides until events of recent weeks. Um, as the whole world is aware, the Taliban have taken over Afghanistan. And now those Afghans who put themselves out there to fight for equal rights and invited women to ride bikes, well, they're now in danger. And they're in danger of losing way more than their right to just ride. 
So on their website and in emails to subscribers like me and in press releases and interviews on sites like Pinkbike, MTB Afghanistan is getting out a new message. And this is what that message is. 28 cyclists, primarily women and their families, are in urgent need of evacuation. We have been part of a concerted effort for, of activists and NGOs, not in government organizations for those who might know, not know, to evacuate them as soon as possible. So far, seven cyclists, including the team captain, have been safely evacuated from Afghanistan. We need your help to get the rest out immediately. And they go on to say that they're working with Human Rights Foundation to carry out the evacuation process. They need donations. The donations go right to the Human Rights Foundations, specifically for the Afghanistan cyclist evacuation and resettlement effort. They want to raise $250,000 uh, with a stretch goal of 500,000 100% of the funds are going to be used for the effort because all organizers have donated their time. Now, back when we first discussed MTB Afghanistan, we were just inspired by what they were doing and trying to accomplish through mountain biking. And not only did I make a donation, I was able to get my employer to make an even bigger donation. And then we sort of watched in dismay as the Taliban started taking over Afghanistan and we wondered if all that was for naught. And then last week, it was kind of proven that our fears were recognized because uh, all this, you know, they, they sent out all the notices saying, hey, we got to get these people out of here. So indeed, the hopes of sending money to Afghanistan so they could buy bikes to keep this program going is now about getting the people who ran that program out of there. And so meanwhile, for Farid, he's now turning his attention to the Afghan communities around the world. Uh, and he wants to figure out like if he can form a team outside of Afghanistan that doesn't bow to the rules consisting of men and women. As he says, they go and they can go and be a voice for the people who are stuck there, not just their ability to cycle, but any other aspect of life. So if you're interested in going there, you're going to find out that the costs are approximately $6,000 to evacuate each individual. And that's going up as the, um, you know, as the harder it gets to, to manage this. So even though the American military has withdrawn, evacuations are still ongoing and they're trying to um, get these at-risk individuals out. Um, so... Again, the donations go directly to Human Rights Foundation. So if you're interested, head over to mtbafghanistan.org where you can make a donation. I just look at it as this, that you know I'm thankful every time I get on the bike that I have the choice to do so. Uh, it's a freedom that I can say I often take for granted that I can just show up at a trail and ride my bike. Uh, these people don't have that freedom. They don't have that choice. And now their lives are at risk for having tried to share that joy with other people. So if you are interested, please do go help. And that's why I decided to share that as my bike thing. Yeah, that's, that's sad. I, I didn't even think about that when all this stuff started going down uh, about that group uh, that you talked about. Um, but yeah, this whole situation sucks. And uh, it. It's crazy though. I wonder, it makes you wonder, uh, you know, what plane, uh, the, the group that has gotten out where they ended up, uh, if any of them made it to America, it'd be cool to meet up with them or, you know, help them out over here. 
uh, that's specifically. True. But uh, I don't know. Who knows if we'll ever find out that. Yeah, I don't know where they've ended up. I mean, I think some of them have. I, if you read the Pink Bike article, sort of hints that they are have arrived in. Well, they only got what, like six or seven people out, but um, so far. But yeah, that that would be interesting to see. Um, I know that like right when I was working with my company to make the donation, it was right when the noise up around along the Pakistan border started getting louder, and I was like well, I sure hope <laughs> that they're still able to run this program. Um, and we did it, you know, and then we could just watch as uh, it became clear that um, mountain biking wasn't anybody's biggest problem <laughs> anymore. Um, it's kind of, it is really sad. And, you know, no matter, don't want to bring politics into this about how the whole evacuation was handled or how we ended up in this position as a country. I would just say that if you feel like, um, part of our effort to help over there um, was, you know, reaching out through programs like this. If that was important, then we need to show that we're not just going to turn our backs on it now that we did it. You know, these people stuck their necks out. Now they're out there, you know, they, they were on the internet, they're on YouTube, you know, and their faces are there saying, you know, we're riding mountain bikes because it empowers us and it's about women and equal rights. And now their lives are at risk because of it. So um, I definitely would like to do my part to, help get them out of there because pretty much like I put money in there to help them get in trouble. <laughs> I have to get, help them get out of trouble. <laughs> right. So that, yeah. at least that's how I feel about it. Uh, this episode, just a recap, we covered my trip up the, uh, to Pittsburgh and Cleveland and a couple beer stories along the way and uh the the sad turn of events for uh a, a mountain bike enthusiast group in afghanistan and, and uh, the fallout of that uh hopefully those that that listen to the podcast are able to to help donate and, and or find other ways uh to help um it's definitely appreciated and uh you know can you bring up a good point about not taking for granted the freedom to ride your bike um and yeah i was thinking about how i pretty much take it for granted by having a bike that's just sitting in my closet with two flat tires right now <laughs> i should be out riding it uh so or just think about note, this think about this think about this though real quick you have a daughter a very young daughter who you're going to teach to ride a bike and you think nothing of it it's just this is my child and i want my child to ride a bike you don't even have to think about whether or not that's legal <laughs> you know it's crazy it's absolutely crazy it is anyways until next episode uh let us just remind you to ride fast over the hump over the hump um, slow over the hump with trails tales so a potential solution to your beer muling situation or you're not finding beers you wanted to bring back the bottle shop Next time, no matter where you're going, see where the bottle shops are and then just go hit up a bottle shop. Those local people love to talk about local beer. And Dude, so, you know what's funny is there was a place called Northside Beer a couple blocks away from our hotel in Pittsburgh. And uh, the first night we were there, I was like, oh, I'm going to go see what they got. You know, because we, we kind of got in early and I wasn't tired. So I'm like, let's just go over there. They close at 10 or whatever it was. 
I'm like, I'm just gonna drive over there real quick and because uh, we need to get some water for the room too. So I use that as an excuse to, to drive over there and check out to see what they had. Okay, this place was called Northside Beer and I checked out reviews and people were like, oh yeah, they got a good selection. Uh, not the greatest, but they got some decent stuff. I get there, it was 90 to 95% Bud Light, you know, Bud Seltzers, no. Trulies, White Claws, like everything that you would envision finding at a college party and next to nothing considered craft and i mean what they had that was craft i was just like oh, i'm like i can get this anywhere so i i ended up not getting anything except water i was just like this is Wait, really disappointing and you expected it to be more because they well they trump i mean what's called well it's called north side beer okay you know I mean, the the selection they had, I could have found at any damn grocery store. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, like, technically, it, it wasn't, Bud Light is beer. <laughs> was yeah, beer. yeah. But why would you have a beer store and not have a little bit more of a craft beer selection? You know, especially well, in in a hipster town like Pittsburgh. I'm especially um, like yes, any like at least Trogs, right? <laughs> I think they might have had some Trogs, but again. Um,